As we remain standing, let us affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sit at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. This time we'd like to invite the children to come forward to join Marnie Dumas for a few moments of sharing. bracelets on. I'll have to keep them quiet. Okay. Do any of you wear glasses? I didn't think so. Okay. Does your mom or dad or maybe your teacher or your grandma or somebody, just, you know somebody that wears glasses? Why do they wear glasses? So they can see, right? Have, um, have you ever tried to put on somebody <clears throat> else's glasses? It's kind of blurry, right? Okay. So they, that's kind of I don't know because I don't have to wear glasses, but I'm assuming that's kind of what it looks like for them without the glasses, right? It's kind of blurry for them. They may not be able to see like all the detail in your headband and that kind of thing. So they wear the glasses to be able to see that. And that helps them, right? Well, you may not have trouble with your eyesight yet or ever, which would be great, um, but we, we all sometimes have difficulty seeing things or understanding things. And the story today... Um, talks a little bit about that when, when Jesus' friends, the disciples, when they had a hard time understanding something about what they had seen. So let's, let's, I'm going to read, kind of paraphrase from Luke. It's Luke chapter 24, verses 30 and 31, okay? So when Jesus died, his friends were real sad because they didn't think they would see him again. Two of, the, of his friends were walking to their home in a village called Emmaus. I hope I'm saying that right. Is that right? Okay. When another traveler joined them on the road, they didn't know, they didn't recognize who it was, but they began to tell him about what happened to Jesus and how sad they were. It was evening when they got home, so they invited the stranger to stay and eat dinner with them. They sat down to eat, and when the stranger broke the bread and blessed it, something happened. It's like they put glasses on, and they could recognize who was sitting there with them. Who do you think it was? Yeah, it was Jesus. They had spent the whole day with them, with him and didn't even recognize him. But it seemed like after he had blessed the food that they, had, they, could, they, they knew who he was. After Jesus left them, they went and told all the other disciples. So why do you think they went and told everybody? What do you think? Why do you think they did that? 
Yeah, they were happy. They recognized who he was, right? They got to eat dinner with him. They got to hang out with him because they thought that he had passed away and they would never see him again. And so they were so excited about seeing him again. So sometimes when we're confused and we don't see things clearly, we have Jesus that will help us. He's kind of like our glasses. We can see everything much better with him by our side. What you think? Sound good? All right, can you pray with me? All right, will you repeat after me? Father, we are so thankful that as we travel through life, Jesus is walking with us and that he helps us see and understand things more clearly. Amen. You know, if I wasn't anticipating retiring from this place, I might be nervous to look out and see a district superintendent here this morning. Uh, one of your children has home, come home for the day, Susan Leonard Ray with her family here with Weirin and Shirley. And uh, this is a busy season for district superintendents. Dennis, you remember that, don't you? When you were making appointments and uh, having introductory visits but we're delighted that in the busyness of the day, you could be here with us to celebrate uh, Mother's Day. Here now our first scripture lesson from Acts chapter 20, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter two, verses 36 through 41. Peter is speaking. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is Psalm 116 on page 837. I invite you to turn to that page and stand as you're able as we share God's word responsibly. I love the Lord who has heard my voice and my supplications and has inclined his ear to me whenever I called. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, our God is merciful. 
Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord shall come to you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I kept my faith even when I said I am greatly afflicted. What shall I return to the Lord for all my benefits? I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the child of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Our epistle reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 23. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you may have sincere love for your brothers, Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Here ends the lesson.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we are thankful that you have placed us in a community from the various early moments of our lives we were cared for by a community of people in the hospital and by loving parents and grandparents. Then you immersed us in the faith by bringing us up in the faith of the church that the church proclaims. And we're just grateful for your goodness and kindness to us, for the way you personalized your love to us in the homes we grew up in, and for the journey that we have undertaken with other disciples on the road to faith, our own road to Emmaus. And so we come this day to give you thanks for the joy of Christian fellowship and also for the gift of your love to us that we celebrate this day as we remember our mothers. Lord, for some of us, mother is a memory that is very blessed in our hearts. And we are thankful for this. For others, it's an ongoing task in the world today. Helping to give guidance to young people that have so many wrong turns thrown in their faces every day. We pray that you would give mothers your strength and fathers also, that we might be faithful in our current task of guiding our children. And we also pray, Lord, that we in the church might remember the vows that we took when we saw children baptized in this fellowship that we would be there for those children, that we would be there, that they could turn to us for guidance and for strength when times of doubt come their way. So we pray that you would forever be refining the fellowship of the church, that indeed we might be that place where people might come on their journey of faith and bring their doubts and leave with faith. We remember, Lord, those in our congregation and among our friends who are struggling this day with illness or grief or loneliness, those who wonder when there will be a break in this economy and they will find work. We remember those that are homeless and seem helpless who come to your people asking for help. We pray your blessings upon the children that we are helping to care for at Epworth. And we pray that those in our care would experience your love and grace while they are under our care. We pray these things in the name of Jesus who has taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
be seated, please. The gospel lesson is Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor in Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Here ends the lesson. Have you ever had a strange experience of being in an unfamiliar location, maybe in the mountains or at the beach on vacation, and you see someone that you know very well, but since you're both in an unfamiliar location, you can't quite figure out who that other person is? Something seems to be preventing you from recognizing just who that other person is. My father was a wholesale grocery uh, representative, 
One time I walked into a grocery store where he was, and I noticed he looked over at me and he said to the store owner, excuse me just a minute, I know I know that boy somewhere. <laughs> My own father. Today in Luke 24, we see two of Jesus' closest friends who failed to recognize him because Jesus was the last person they expected to see on the road to Emmaus, especially considered that they had witnessed Jesus' death in recent days. Emmaus is uh, a town about seven miles away from Jerusalem. That seems rather close, but if you think about traveling on foot, that's several hours on the road. Or if you're a runner, as I am not, it's uh, more than a 10K race. It isn't clear that the two disciples were heading back to their homes or if they were just trying to get away from Jerusalem and the troubles there. Maybe they just were looking for some place to go to get away for a while like you and I find the need to do. Frederick Buchner in his book, The Magnificent Defeat wrote, Emmaus is whatever we do or wherever we go to make ourselves forget that the world holds nothing sacred that even the wisest and bravest and loveliest will decay and die, that even the noblest ideas that people have, ideas about love and freedom and justice, have always in time been twisted out of shape by selfish people for selfish ends. Emmaus is where we go, where these two went, to try to forget about Jesus and the great failure of his life. We also don't know who these disciples were. They are not on any uh, well-known list of disciples. One was named Cleopas, and the other remains unnamed. We're so used to picturing 12 apostles with Jesus that we forget that, the, that these 12 were the core of his leadership, but there were always many more disciples in the next layer of disciples. For instance, we read in Luke 10 that Jesus appointed 72 disciples, 36 teams of two, to go out and carrying his message into all the cities that he was planning to visit. Those teams returned to Jesus, reporting on all the wonderful miracles that they had done in his name. And we're also told that after Jesus' ascension into heaven, there were 120 disciples that met together for one thing, to choose a successor to Judas, successor for Judas, between Justice and Matthias. Then um, those were both two disciples that we were told that had been with them from day one of the Christian movement, from the day of John's baptism on, and one of them was chosen. So Cleopas and that unnamed disciple traveling on the road to Emmaus remind us that the number of Jesus' disciples were always more than 12, and many more than 12 saw the resurrected Christ. The fact that they were traveling is also a reminder to us that we are also traveling on a journey of faith. They not only were traveling between two cities, but they were traveling from doubt to belief. Aren't you on that journey today along with me? Isn't that what discipleship is all about? It's always a journey from doubt to greater faith, from self-centeredness to dying to self, 
from sin to salvation. The two were traveling together. And that's a reminder to us of how vital it is to find Christian fellowship with fellow travelers on this journey because it's just easier to work through your questions and doubts when you can share your concerns with trusted companions. You know, Smokey the Bear used to teach us when I was a child that you break up a campfire by separating all the sticks and pouring water on them. You know, life often douses us with cold water, separates us from trusted friends, causing the flames of our faith to almost go out. Coming together for fellowship is like putting all those logs back together and causes our flames to return. Jesus said that where two or more were gathered in his name, there he would be in their midst. Cleopas and the other disciple were traveling together, and it's clear that they were gathered in Jesus' name because he was all they were talking about. They were together in his name, and so we shouldn't be too surprised to find that Jesus showed up there with them. But you and I need to realize that when we gather in his name, Jesus is as much with us today as he was with them. Wish we could listen in on their conversation for a minute as they walked along. I still can't believe that Judas, of all people, betrayed Jesus. He and I grew up in the same synagogue. We were close friends from childhood. He's the last one I would have expected to betray Jesus. And I know better now than to trust that two-faced Simon Peter. Lord, the others might desert you, but not me, not never. Why didn't we do something to rescue Jesus? We should have started some kind of a diversion of some kind. But I really didn't think Jesus needed us to rescue him. I kept expecting another miracle. And now he's dead, I guess. Unless you can believe the tale told by crazy Mary Magdalene. From behind them, a stranger approached, also heading toward Emmaus. For a few moments, the three of them walked along in silence because you don't just bring a total stranger into an intimate conversation two trusted friends are having. You know, you never can tell about strangers on the road. This one might be a close friend of the high priest. So they just stopped talking for a while. Finally, it was the stranger who broke the silence by asking, what were you all talking about? It sounded interesting. Their forward progress stopped as they stood absolutely still. This stranger had come from the direction of Jerusalem how is it possible that he could not know what had happened there? That's all anybody was talking about, it seemed. Cleopas broke the silence by pointing out this very fact. How could you have been in Jerusalem and not know about all that happened there? The stranger feigned ignorance as he asked, What are you talking about? What things happened there? There's something about Jesus' dealings with these disciples that is most telling about God. In the first place, Jesus seems to be having a lot of fun. 
A Sunday school teacher asked a little child in class one day what Jesus' first words were after his resurrection from the dead. And the little girl answered, Ta-da! Well, we know that's not true because Jesus wasn't one to show off. But he does seem to be mighty playful in these resurrection appearances as if he is really enjoying himself. So I want to ask you, has God ever been lovingly playful with you? Can you imagine God being at all playful with you, his children? Like my good parents were with me during our closest moments. Like I was with my children when I was doing my very best to be a father to them. My, my son is here. He said that he was going to one day get even with me for all the tricks I played on him in church as he was growing up. Uh, but I did. I made him tough. I picked on him. Um, I'm playful with people I love. If you had very strict parents who never were playful with you, you might not be able to relate to this image of God. But I assure you that God so enjoys his interactions with us that he cannot refrain himself sometimes from being a bit playful with us. Why else would Jesus playfully ask Cleopas to tell him what had happened in Jerusalem as if he did not know? It's also amazing to me that Jesus would take so much time with just two of his disciples. There were hundreds of hurting people that day, Christians who were hurting and afraid, and yet Jesus gave an afternoon, hours of time to these two disciples as if they were the only ones that mattered to him. That's a reminder to us that Jesus has plenty of time for each one of us and he lavishes, lavishes his time upon us. Perhaps the reason Jesus asked what had happened in Jerusalem is that sometimes we just need to talk it out. We need to pour our hearts out to a trustworthy counselor. There's poison in our souls that needs to be drawn off. And talking is a God-given way we can do this. Jesus, who already knows all there is to know, still invites us to pour our hearts out to him. And what is prayer if it isn't talking with God and then listening? Cleopas and the other disciple poured out their souls to this stranger, telling how devastated they were by the failure of the religious leaders to recognize Jesus as the mighty prophet and how they had crucified Jesus and now how troubled they were about crazy Mary's story of the empty tomb and the angels. There it was, all of it poured out, the anguish of their souls poured out upon this stranger that they had just met. For a man who didn't seem to know anything about what had happened in Jerusalem, this stranger sure did know a lot about the scriptures. In a way that was not received as harsh criticism, Jesus the stranger said, you're being foolish and slow of heart to believe what was clearly predicted by the prophets. Didn't you realize that the Christ had to suffer before he entered into his glory? 
And then the stranger began quoting scripture after scripture, verse after verse from the writings of Moses through the words of the prophets, verses clearly showing that Christ had to suffer and die and that he would rise again on the third day. The more he talked, the stronger their faith grew. But then we shouldn't be surprised, for the scripture has always been food for our faith, and we just ought to eat more often. Cleopas and the other one said that the stranger talked more and more, and as he did, the more their hearts burned within them, or as John Wesley expressed it, their hearts were strangely warmed. What had seemed like an incredibly long and tiresome walk to Emmaus was over all too quickly, and the stranger acted like his journey would continue on a bit farther. So the two disciples begged him to stay and remain with them. Day was almost over. Night would be coming very soon. The stranger agreed to this invitation, and soon they were sitting down to a meal together. Hey, stranger, would you return thanks for us, they probably asked, because the stranger seemed to take over that moment of the mealtime. Again, notice the playfulness of Christ here. Never does he reveal himself by name. He picked up the bread in the same way they had seen him pick bread up a few evenings earlier. He broke it in the same way he had broken it the night he had said, this is my body. Eat this in remembrance of me. It was deja vu. And in that moment, the two disciples knew that the stranger had to be Jesus. And in that same moment, Jesus vanished from their sight. Night was rapidly falling. It was at least a two-hour run if you ran fast back in the dangerous twilight to Jerusalem but they didn't hesitate for a moment because they had to get back on the road again. Finishing their journey as darkness fell upon the land, they went to the upper room where the rest of the disciples were just hearing word that Jesus had appeared to Simon Peter. And they happily added their story to that Sunday night, Easter night worship service. And again, where two or more were gathered in his name, Jesus was there in their midst, saying, Peace be with you. Since that first day of resurrection, Christians have been meeting to study the scriptures, especially to see how they apply to Jesus' life and how he fulfilled those words. We've grown stronger as we have studied the Bible, and we've grown stronger through Christian fellowship, finding that Jesus is with us, whenever we gather in his name. And we have recognized him present with us as we've broken the bread of his body and received the wine of his blood which he offered for us and for all humankind for the forgiveness of sins. And so you see, Easter, the story, does not end. It continues on to this day. And we're all invited to come to know God through the playfulness of Christ and through Christian fellowship. We're all invited to receive the forgiveness of sins that comes to us from Jesus' body and blood 
being broken and spilled for us. So let's head for Emmaus. Let's get on the road again. Amen. Amen.